0: hey there welcome to the show i hope everybody is enjoying this sunday and uh yeah you know what here we are you know slowly inching through june real estate market is still active you know i don't want everybody to think there's doom saying and everything else but the market is still active there are still plenty of sold signs going up and you know what this is this is typically a busy season so yeah, interest rates are on the rise. Uh, we are going to talk about that today, obviously. And just to give you an idea, I'll give you a rundown. Who's going to be joining me this hour? Um, I've got Mike Chustowski, and Mike's been a, uh, a, a you know a guest uh, quite a few times over the last few. Mike uh, focuses on the industrial, commercial, and land development aspect of real estate. So always good to take a look real estate from all sorts of angles and then uh, later in the hour i've got christopher alexander joining me he is the president of remax canada and um you know looking forward to both conversations as usual here on the show but um as i mentioned yeah the you know the market the, a lot of people are sitting there saying you know it's just going to freeze up with some interest rate hikes I gotta tell you the one thing that I, I i keep wanting to remind people interest rates are still lower than they were pre-pandemic if if you remember and i know it's really hard because we've been kind of spoiled with the low interest rates for about 18 months but what ended up happening in you know 2019 and and into the beginning of 2020 we had some interest rate hikes you know bank canada said you know well, we've been too low too long and start putting some upward pressure and, you know, you were looking at variable rates in the threes and you're looking at fixed rates in the fours. So, you know, it's amazing, you know, again, kind of short sighted when we sit there and say, yo, Oh, this is all new. Like I said, I think we were a little bit spoiled for a while. And here we are today, you know, with some interest rate increases, but you know, the market itself, uh, we're just not building it fast enough. So if there's something that you find that you like, I'm going to encourage people to still buy you know if you can wait great do it but um if you're looking for a massive correction i don't think it's on the horizon so we'll wait and see we'll see what ends up happening and you know i'm not saying that just because you know i work in real estate in the world of real estate and investment real estate speaking of investment real estate the simpleinvestor.com if you want to find out more about what we do or you can follow me on instagram the simple investor one but um yeah you know it's interesting because I think that, uh, you know, we may have a little bit of a slowdown for about six months, but I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's going to last too long. I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a bit of a bounce back and you're going to see, you know, things truck along. People will get used to the new norm, which is normally the case. You know, what happens if interest rates, let's say, go up another half point, then they say stay like that for the next year eventually, people just say, okay, well, if I want to buy, that's the interest rate I've got to afford. So now I have to adjust and figure out what I can afford. You know, will the outer market stay strong? I think so. I think that a lot of people are working from a hybrid program. Some people are changing jobs, you know, to accommodate a lifestyle. And they're not always focused about, you know, being in the downtown core for the most expensive square footage you can buy. Um, So yeah, I think, you know, quite frankly, I think uh, we just eventually will adjust to the new norm. Now, Again, if Bank Canada gets gets a little loose on us, then we'll have to wait and see what happens. So hopefully hopefully they're smart about this. I think they need to slow down the increases and let people adjust. And I think that would be the best thing for us to do. So no stranger to the show. Joining me now is Mike Chostahosky, and he is the vice chairman of CBRE's Land Service Group. Uh, Mike's joined me for numerous years now, always my go-to person to have conversations about What's happening with land development, commercial, industrial? Mike, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. Always a pleasure having you on the show. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, throw you a softball right out of the gate, Mike. Um, so Premier Ford, uh, they're giving him, uh, you know, an extended mandate. So he's got another four years. Is that going to be good for you know us folk in real estate?
1: Uh, definitely, such a clear mandate, a, a larger majority than he had last time. I think will encourage. Uh, the PCs to to do some aggressive moves for our industry, I think it's going to be a good thing.
0: So, you know, that was, uh, it was interesting, Mike, you know, and, and you and I've talked about this both from a provincial election, federal election, you know, a lot of promises get tossed around by candidates and, you know, I still go back to the federal election. I think that's been a nothing burger the entire time. I know Mr. Ford was campaigning a lot about being able to get more shovels in the ground, you know, getting more, you know uh, even for anything from subsidized to you know multi-res everything you know we got to get going on this because we do have a shortage what what do they have to typically do i mean we 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 have to deal with the municipalities it's just not at the provincial level so can you ta- take us a little bit through the steps of what some of the some of the things that we've got to change and get going on
1: well you know for for years the red tape is getting worse on the municipal level and at the end of the day we're doing we're dealing with municipal officials, uh, you know, politicians that, you know, are listening to rate payers And if the rate payers aren't necessarily in favor of the development, it doesn't get through. Um, the province has the ability to take some of this approval process into other forms and to expedite it. In order to really solve this crisis, it's going to take a long time. And I think at one time, you asked me how long to fix this, and I said 20 years, and I think there was some shock. But it takes a long time to build a high-rise building. You know, from start to finish, from zoning to occupancy, you're probably looking six to nine years to occupy a high-rise. So it's going to take us a long time to fix this. In my opinion, I think it's time to take some of the approval process away from the municipalities and put it into what we used to call the OMB, that LPAT, the Land Tribe, you know, whatever you want to call it today, and have an independent body approve some of these developments for the greater good, what makes sense, and to have uh, some in-place zoning for our
0: major thoroughfare. Yeah, I think I think transit, and, and you and I have talked about this in the past, Mike, is that, you know, transit is also one of the major stumbling blocks and, and hence the reason why a lot of developments are looking at at creating them right near existing transit because the idea of implementing new transit, new lines, you know, um, it, it's it's just staggering the amount of of you know paperwork and and being able to get it to happen. So it seems like doing more of the infill, but then we get the nimby's jumping up and down saying, "Look, we 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 don't want you know density that close to us." So it, it's always been that contradiction. It, it makes it difficult. For us to make a clear path to be able to add the necessary numbers that we need to.
1: Well, that, that's why putting the onus on a politician that is reliant on the ratepayers that are objecting to a reasonable development is very difficult. That politician is thinking about getting redevelop, uh, re uh, elected and put the onus on them whether or not they want to be in favor of a development that. Their ratepayers are not in favor of. Makes it very difficult. I was I was at a, an open house for the ratepayers for development at Young and Gerard, and there was people that were, you know, on side streets in that area complaining about traffic. You're at Young and Gerard. What, <laughs> what do you think? And if we're not going to put density on a transit line along Young Street, where should I put it? <laughs> so in but the politicians. Are hearing from these ratepayers complaining about density. Uh, we, we need a third party that is going to make the decisions based on the greater good and what makes planning sense, rather than what just
0: ratepayers want. I think that's uh, that. That would make a lot of sense. So I do want to talk to you, all, obviously, about a little bit of a monkey in the room, and it is the interest rates, and it's one of those things that. You know, upward pressure, you know, we've seen, you know, a couple of increases, obviously. So it's 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 changing, changing the landscape a little. Potentially there's more coming. In in the industrial commercial world, it, does this have much of an adverse effect? I mean, even though we've got a huge supply demand issue right now, do you think that we're still going to see the heat in that market?
1: On the industrial, on the employment side, no, it won't have any effect. That demand is still strong. Uh, rental rates are still increasing to make up for any increase in construction costs and interest rates. I don't think we'll have any issues there. Todd, I don't know when the next time we're gonna build an office building is. You know, I think we'll know in the next 12 to 24 months if there's any real change in the office market that's permanent or whether this is just temporary and people are all gonna come back to work. A change in interest rates on some of the larger residential condo and purpose-built rental projects are enough to cancel the project, but that cancellation It's not only because of the interest rates, but the increasing costs of construction and soft costs that are put on by the government, DCs, parkland dedication, all these that are put on that make it unviable to build the building. So I'm seeing more effect on the purpose-built rental and the condo side than I am on the industrial side.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the thing we, we, you know, you and I've talked in length about the shortage, you know, definitely from a residential perspective, but you know, when we talk industrial, there is a shortage. It just seems that, you know, the more, the more people can get their hands on they are. Um, So with the introduction of companies like a BlackRock coming into Canada, you know, putting a headquarters here in Toronto and, and looking at acquiring more and they, they, you know, they do target things such as industrial land because they know, I think, you know, part of the premise is that they are looking towards the future.
1: Uh, Definitely the institutional players, pension funds, institutional money getting into real estate is increasing. Um, We see a lot of our private developers partnering with the institutions because the deals are getting so large that there is that requirement for institutional money to come in to help on the equity side. It's, I believe it's great. It adds stability to the market, um, it allows our private developers to do more deals with the institutional partners, I think overall it's good for us.
0: Well, listen, Mike, it's always a pleasure having you join me on the show. Thank you so much for for joining me this week. And I look forward to catching up with you throughout the summer and, and seeing where the market's going.
1: Thank you, Todd. Thanks for the invite.
0: Excellent. Thanks so much. Folks, when I come back, I've got Christopher Alexander joining me. He is the president of REMAX Canada. So stay with us. We'll be right back after And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest joining me, I'm thrilled to have him on the show. Um, He was uh, newly named president of REMAX Canada last year in 2021, and he is Christopher Alexander. And Christopher, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, so uh, Christopher, just, uh, just maybe if you can give us a little bit of your background. I know you've been you know, uh, you know, your family's been part of Remax for many, many years. I know yourself; you've gone through a whole lot of different levels. Uh, you know, moving up to become finally the president.
2: So, um, you know, I started working in a real estate office uh, when I was 13 years old, um, working as a janitor. My uh, family brokerage um, got my real estate license in 2010. Sold for about five years. Then started selling franchises for Remax uh, in 2014, 15, and you know slowly worked my way up, and you know took on various positions in the company. Uh, worked in our United States regions, which. Consisted of um, all of New England, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And uh, recently, our our company merged with uh, Remax uh, Holdings, which is based in Denver, Colorado. And now we form Remax Canada, which is. Um, Every single province except Quebec, which is uh, has REMAX, but it's under an independent ownership group.
0: Right. So you know the interesting thing is that I know a lot of people um, obviously have seen REMAX around. Uh, you know, I uh, still carry the banner with uh, with a license with REMAX. You know, incredible company. Maybe you can give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of backstory actually on how REMAX came about because I mean. I know the story, but maybe we can, maybe you can share a little with our listeners just to kind of give them, you know, like it, it it wasn't just rags to riches. I mean, there was a lot of, lot of hard work put in to the Remax brand in the early days.
2: Well, um, it started with the gentleman and his partner at the time, um, Dave and Gail Linegar, and they were based in uh, Denver, Colorado. They, Dave was the number one agent in his office. And before Remax, the brokerage model was uh, you know, you, you would share, no matter how much business you did, you would give half of your earnings to the brokerage, sometimes more. And Dave thought that this is wrong. I'm doing all the work. There's a lot of people in our company that aren't selling anything yet. I'm giving up most of my earnings to, uh, you know, support them. And he came up with the Remax concept, which was to, um, you know, allow agents to keep all of their commissions, share the expenses of the office. Um, and what that model did was it turned the industry upside down. And it did that because it it attracted all the best agents, and it shifted the onus on from the brokerage to provide. Advertising and marketing to the agent, at least under the Remax model, uh, to be able to provide all those services themselves. It was a it was a total shift in how traditional brokerage operated. And you know, fast forward to 1982, Canadians um, Frank and Walter Schneider, uh, Frank Polsler and Walter Schneider, uh, purchased the rights to Eastern Canada of the brand, started franchising. Western Canada uh, had some. Uh, success with the brand. And, you know, fast forward again to today, it, uh, Frank and Walter and and Bob Chirot in Western Canada and Pierre Titley in Quebec uh, changed the Canadian industry as well. And, um, you know, since 1987, the brand has held number one market share nationally and has never seceded. So it's a pretty um, remarkable story considering um, it's an American uh, brand. However, Canada has always been the crown jewel and the most successful uh, part of the organization.
0: Yeah. And interestingly enough, you are worldwide now as a company, um, which is which is incredible because, you know, certain certain companies can't get traction in other marketplaces. But the Remax brand, I know, basically went across Europe and, and around the globe.
2: Yeah. So uh, as of today, we're in more than 110 countries and territories. Uh, The official counts about 140, if you include all the territories. Um, And we have, we're the only organization that has significant agent count outside of North America. So there are a lot of other real estate companies that have offices around the world. but they have, are very limited in their agent base, and so um, where that separates us is that we actually have a workforce of about fifty-five thousand realtors outside of North America that are, you know, facilitating transactions. And we're as we are the first real estate organization to surpass two million uh, transactions. We did that in twenty twenty-one. So um, it's a, a remarkable brand that's well known everywhere. I can't tell you how many times people come from overseas, walk into a Remax office and say, oh, I know this company, your real estate, right? It's just synonymous. And um, it's, it's really, really special uh, what the brand has been able to achieve from a connection basis across the globe.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Folks, if you're just tuning in, joining me right now is Christopher Alexander, and he is the president of Remax Canada. And, you know, Christopher, one of the things that uh, had drawn me to the brand, of course, was the fact that it allowed, uh, I think a realtor to be their own almost self-contained business. So, you know, if you wanted to invest in your name and the brand, you know, the more you put out, you know, the better your results. And that was one of the things, as you mentioned, you know, I think, I think the Remax brand really did truly, you know, change the way real estate, uh, was done around the globe because it gave people that ability to, you know, if they, if they invested in themselves and they invested in the brand and they they, put the marketing out there, the returns were there. And that was one of the things that, you know, as I said, drew me to the brand was the fact that, you know, you could, you could market like crazy. You weren't going to your broker with hat and hand saying, you know, can you, can you fly an area? Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? <laughs> you know, if you had the money, you spent it. And normally you were the one who got the return.
2: Yeah. I mean, the entrepreneurial spirit has always been a cornerstone of our, our brand. And, you know, it's, we're, to me, we're really the only organization that is focused on like solely focused on helping agents be more successful. and that has a residual impact for consumers because we really want to provide agents with the tools and the services and the technologies so that they can provide the best service possible, which consumers deserve. And so uh, our old philosophy is everybody wins and you know that's you know, more true today than ever before. So um, I'm glad you see it that way too, Todd.
0: Well, you know, one of the parts of the structure, and, I, and I've watched this over, you know, the last 30 years that I've been involved in real estate is the fact that, you know, you don't find, and and, and Christopher, I know, I'm pretty sure you tune in in the show the odd time, but I'm a big, uh, you know, advocate of full-time agents. And in my opinion, the RE/MAX brand only encourages, you know, full-time agents. They're 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 the ones who are going to benefit, and so a brand like RE/MAX has always been dry, you know, driving and attracting those professionals. So when we talk about the number of deals and everything done, uh, you know, this is one of the reasons why I think the brand has done so well over the years. So um, I do want to talk to you, obviously, a, a, a fair bit today about you know the market and what we're looking at. Um, but you know, just, just kind of a last, uh, comment about, you know, the brand and everything else, um, would be, what is the best way if somebody is thinking of becoming a realtor or for that matter, joining the Remax brand, how do they do that? And what is the best action for them to take?
2: Well, you can visit our blog, uh, blog.remax.ca, uh, there you will find a tremendous amount of just real estate information on all kinds of topics. That's a good place to start because, you know, I always said that, you you know, you get your license through uh, the real estate college. It's really just the rule book. Um, There's no real focus uh, in the licensing portion uh, on how to sell and how to generate business. And so going to our blog is a good place to start because it it shares all kinds of, uh, of information on anything real estate. And you know, chances are if you, you're you going to have a local Remax office in, or no matter where you live, if you're in a, a, a larger market, you've got many options, I'm sure. Um, and so I would be walking in there, getting to know the local operators and finding a fit that is best for you.
0: Excellent advice. Folks, we're going to go to a quick break, but when we come back, I've got more with Christopher Alexander. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Christopher Alexander, and he is the president of Remax Canada. And just before the break, we were, you know, chatting about the company Remax because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, information that floats around. and, And I have to tell you, you know, as far as a brand, it's probably the most noted brand in real estate, period, bar none. And Christopher, one of the things I do want to talk to you about, obviously, is, um, you know, our current marketplace and what we're dealing with, because a lot of things changing. You know, we watched we watched uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, there was a little bit of that stall. um, And then all of a sudden this fever hit the market. You know, interest rates dropped. All of a sudden we had this huge run up for two years. Now we get the Bank of Canada, you know, wanting to control a little bit of inflation. So we're watching some, you know, push up in the interest rates. Can you give us a little bit of your take on where you see the market today and where you think we're going?
2: Well, there's a number of factors at, at play here, Todd. I mean, you mentioned the two-year run. We've never had anything like that. I mean, we've had hot markets before. Yes. I mean, most, especially if you're in the GTA, it's been a steady incline for decade, two decades almost. But even in the hottest of times, it got some calm at certain points of the year. So Typically, that is summertime uh, and late fall, early winter, and that all that gave buyers some time to recoup. Uh, it gave sellers a little bit of time to recoup. Um, but we we had eighteen to twenty straight months of insanity. <laughs> um, you know, very little time to make decisions if you were a buyer. Fierce fierce, and almost ugly competition. And now you've got this, what I've been calling a distorted reality, um, and a, a now a psychological effect that is, is kind of lasting. And so you've got a, kind of a stare down between buyers and sellers right now. But what I keep hearing, Todd, consistently, and I'm in Vancouver right now visiting um, our, our agents and brokerages out here, is that people have eight, our agents and from our network and other networks, they have, they have a lot of buyers. They have people that want to buy, but they're waiting for the bottom. <laughs> and so, um, who knows when that's going to be, uh, if there is going to be one. But you know, that's encouraging because, like Todd, you've been around a long time. You've you've probably seen that before, where people are trying to time the market, and that I've never been a, that strategy. I've never been a fan of. I've always believed time in the market is better, especially with real estate, because. It's a longer term uh, investment platform. And so I think what we're going to see is, you know, a bit more uncertainty. Um, you're going to have some timid consumers and buyers um, in in certain parts of the country. But there's going to come a time when the supply shortage that we've you know had uh, has been in crisis for a long time is going to kick in again. and those people that are waiting for the bottom are going to get to a point where they say, I actually need to move and i can't wait anymore so i'm gonna buy and that will kick things up and i I think depending on how many more rate hikes happen i think that should pick up uh towards you know the middle of the fall, early to mid-october yeah
0: you know i'm glad you brought up the the inventory shortage because you know i've been talking about this for many many years and the one thing is is that we know we are not building nearly enough uh homes condos you know uh, income housing anything like we are just in a shortage and i know a lot of people christopher they get frustrated because they think that you know that's not the reason for the price Price prices increasing a lot of people you know jumped on the the interest rate bandwagon but quite frankly if you've got if you got you know five buyers for every unit available that basically tells you you have a shortage and so when we when we analyze the numbers today with the increased population with you know federal government opening up the borders you know, we, it, I think the number is going to get even more staggering. And I'm glad you brought that up because when when we talk about, you know, people coming off the fence no matter what, because they have to. And I think that this is one of the things that for the people that are trying to game the market thinking that you're going to get this huge 30, 40% reduction, um, I don't think the time's going to come. You know taking a look at the numbers i think reality you know you can get us you can have a motion of a market you know by five or ten percent but short of that i think that the necessity for housing far outweighs the increase in interest rates
2: absolutely and i think where people get caught up is they look at housing as a traditional commodity and it's not it's a necessity (laughs) um yes there there is a housing market and it looks and feels You know, smells like a a traditional commodity from a, you know, on paper perspective. But the the reality is, is it is a necessity and people need a roof over their head. You mentioned immigration opening up. I read a stat uh, yesterday morning that we can only build about 70,000 units a year and we're welcoming 400,000 new Canadians um, for the foreseeable future on an annual basis. Uh, That's a Immense shortfall, um, and so you know it's going to take a long time to catch up. Uh, it needs a national, three-level government coordinated strategy to to tackle the supply challenges. But I think you know where where I am empathetic is that in certain parts of the country, prices are wildly expensive. Um, you know, I was meet, met with a broker yesterday. They're marketing a, a condo project in Vancouver, at three thousand dollars a square foot. Um, you know that's that's a really hard pill to swallow so what's the solution for that well i think in in places like the greater toronto area and vancouver it's it's too robust of a local economy and too attractive for new canadians and people from across the country for it to face a major price correction and there's other local factors at play as well but there's other parts of this country that offer a, a tremendous quality of life that you know could attract more people. They have room for for population growth. There isn't this competitive hotbed um, like you get in the Greater Vancouver or Greater Toronto area. So I think we have to be strategic, uh, think outside the box, attract people to different parts of the country, um, and take some pressure off our, our major markets so that we can get some uh, affordability back.
0: So when we talk about interest rates, because that is obviously one of the hot topics right now, and, you know, just before the pandemic, so even back to February 2020, you know, interest rates were on, on you know, a rise. They were They were higher than they actually are today. And I think people have a very short memory span sometimes because <laughs> I think what happens is we get lulled into this comfort level. You know when you when you start looking at interest rates sitting at you know 1.5 you know 1.9 percent i think everybody thinks that becomes enormous, especially if you can run 18 months that way but you know when we were watching the run-up of 2019 2020 with the interest rates i mean we were well into the threes and fours for most mortgages
2: yes um and you know if you recall the market in the late 2019 and early 2020 was on record pace um you know we were expecting a record-breaking first quarter in 2020 um but the pandemic came and, and really halted transactions i believe the first two months were still record months at that time but um you know you're exactly right todd and the rates were higher back then than they are today so i think people are really exhausted um with what's gone on especially in the last six to eight months and so I think this calm is actually going to be good for us. And, you know, you're an, an investment platform, Todd, like if you're thinking about buying an investment property, now's a great time because you've got negotiating power. Um, but I think that this kind of breathing breather is well needed and, and almost overdue because, like I said at the start, we've had you've never seen a, a, a 18 to 20 month sustained run up.
0: So, Christopher, I'm going to ask you just to hang on for a minute. Folks, when we come back, I'm going to have more with Christopher Alexander. He is the president of REMAX Canada. We're going to talk about actually what is happening in the commercial properties. You know, are they going by the way of residential or are commercial properties actually the ones that are going to soar? So when we come back, we've got more with Christopher Alexander. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Joining me right now is Christopher Alexander, and he is the president of REMAX Canada. And we've been just having a great conversation. And Christopher, you know, just before the break, you and I were, you know, talking about things such as interest rates. And, you know, looking backwards, you know, I think a lot of people, they just, you know, have a little bit of a memory shortage sometimes because that run up uh, with some interest rates, you know, 2018, 19 and into 2020, you know a little bit higher than we're looking at today and yet you know markets seem to be grabbing lots of traction back then before the pandemic hit so uh very very interesting stuff but i do want to talk to you about another part of real estate and this is one of those ones that you know, a lot of people forget, you know, when, when we talk about real estate, we always talk about residential because that's what most of the average person will deal with, you know, homeowners, even real estate investors. But, you know, the con- commercial and industrial real estate, wow, what a tear for the last few years. It just seems that, you know, the logistics companies, you know, a lot of the commercial properties, they're being snapped up. Can you talk to us about what's happening in that marketplace?
2: Well, it's almost in crisis. <laughs> Um, as far as inventory goes, I mean, um, we, had, we did a survey recently, and 92% of the markets we looked at uh, reported extremely tight conditions for industrial product uh, in the first quarter of this year. And 67% of those were found challenges leasing industrial space, too. So, uh, you know, the shift in markets and e-commerce has really led to that. I mean, Amazon is buying up things like crazy. Um And, you know, you talk to commercial agents, and they think that's going to be uh, a trend for the foreseeable future. So it's very interesting, um, you know, that that segment, I mean, the only one that's really taken a big hit is office space and uh, retail. And, you know, single family residential is the second hottest um, ticket in, in the commercial sector um development land is still very sought after especially in our big cities and um you know it's 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 interesting to see the tight inventory levels uh in the industrial sector for sure
0: you know one of the things that i think is going to become a little bit more of a trend and i'm pretty sure you you've seen some of the announcements is that some of these major uh, anchor malls are looking at creating hybrid uh, development so they're basically taking a lot of their parking space like the square ones of the world And they're looking at redeveloping it and, you know, will facilitate some malls, but they plan on building up residential, not just on the mall itself, but potentially in their parking lots and creating kind of these new little urban cores. And, you know, there's quite a few in the GTA that are slated to be done. Is this just, you know, as a result of people struggling with, let's say, transit? Because, you know, that is, of course, one of the reasons why I think, you know, Toronto itself, Toronto proper has had such a, you know, a huge uptick obviously with the um, with the condos is the fact that, you know, people can just basically walk to whatever they need, both, you know, work and, you know, food, everything else that they require. So are we gonna see a little bit more of these urban centers created in some of these cities?
2: I think so. I mean, there's a number of factors at play. I mean, you think of gas prices today, um, people want to be able to walk to where, I mean, that's always been a, a, a perk, especially in residential, I mean, walk score is, <laughs> really popular and if you have everything at your fingers fingertips uh it's been very appealing for uh, a multitude of of buyers and developers because uh, it's attractive to people I, I think too through the pandemic traffic evaporated it's back now in a big way uh, and that's plays a big role too I mean people have really um you know are adverse to spending time commuting you know the work the remote work phenomenon is is very prevalent and i think that has more to do with spending time commuting versus actually wanting to be in an office and so when you have these multiplex developments that offer work housing and amenities in all in one place it's, it's a very appealing uh living situation
0: and and you know from a from an outsider's perspective i think that you know if they if they build them right and they put enough of the amenities that's required, I think I think they're definitely going to be able to draw there, and, and I can name probably a dozen of these developments that they seem very self-contained, but it makes sense, and you know they are near you know things such as you know major transit could be airport, could be you know the lake and things like that, and I think right across Canada, I think these are the kind of things that we should be looking to see in the future. Um, you know, one one last part about the whole industrial commercial. You know, one of the things that I think that we did recognize during the pandemic was the fact, um, you know, companies like an Amazon or everybody that was doing e-commerce, the fact that, you know, the idea of retail stores just seemed like it wasn't, you know, a lot of these companies still soared. They had incredible sales if they had the right e-commerce and, you know, companies like Amazon became, you know, biggest company in the world during these times, not just, you know, because it was the pandemic, just they they were able to rally to the challenge You know, I think that this could be a little bit of that turn in the future where we see more and more companies built on platforms like this, where, again, as you had alluded to, we've got a real shortage in industrial commercial land.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you there. And I also think the pendulum is going to swing. I mean, it went so far one way uh, where e-commerce was everything. Me personally, there's still a lot of products that I want to go and look at face to face. Um, and you know, I want to touch and feel them before I order them. So I think that's going to shake out in the the long run, but I absolutely agree that this is a continuing trend we're going to see for a long time.
0: Well, listen, Christopher, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. I greatly appreciate your time. I know you're out on the West coast being able to join us. It's just been a real privilege and uh, I hope to have you on the show again.
2: Well, thanks Todd. I appreciate you having me.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. All righty. Thank you, sir.
2: Thank you, Todd. That was really fun.
0: Yeah, I, I I enjoyed that immensely. So thanks for thanks for being able to spend some time with me today, and uh, we'll definitely keep you in mind in the future. My pleasure. Thanks again. So that was Christopher Alexander, and he is the president of Remax Canada. So you know, great actually to have him on because you know a lot of people I think don't have a really good understanding of the real estate industry itself and how, where companies come from and. You know what their models look like. I'm not. I'm not going to just say Remax is the only company in the world because I, I. am a. You know, obviously a big fan. I w- have been uh, licensed with years. But, um, you know, I think they really did. They were a game changer, and they changed a lot about the industry. And a lot of companies to, to keep pace, they had to to evolve. And so I think uh, you know, again, when you when you take a look at a business and you think outside the box, you know, like a lot of the inventors and companies and how we see all these companies out there that are doing well. I think, you know, you, you got you to figure out how to do it. And I think they did it right. So, um, you know, I do want to thank uh, Mike Chesahosky for joining me uh, as well. Always great to have a chat with Mike regarding what's going on in the commercial industrial world. And, you know, that's the thing about real estate. There are so many parts to it. It's not just residential. I mean, it's so easy for us to think that, you know, the world revolves around our neighborhood, but it doesn't. Um, you know, every time you see a truck, on the road, it had to go to some warehouse typically to pick up what it's delivering, some form of logistics, you know, some kind of commercial area. And it, you know, it's it's easy enough for us just to drive by it and acknowledge it, but it's it's vast. I mean, you know, there's more square footage used in warehousing and, and commercial than there actually is in residential in Canada. So that's that's the thing. You know, we we do have a huge split in real estate. And this is where a lot of people you know companies that are coming in you know like the black rocks of the world are expanding into canada and they are looking very hard at the industrial commercial space and what they can add to portfolios because again you know we can't make any more land and so what we do with it is probably the most important thing so i think it's uh you know it's 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 a little bit eye-opening if you ever crunch the numbers. And that's one of the things that I try to do here every single week on the show and kind of keep you up to date on what is going on in real estate, not just investment real estate, not just the simple investor stuff, but just in real estate in general. You know, I uh, that's what I spend most of my time doing, analyzing numbers, taking a look at trends and, you know, trying to trying to like spit it out the right way instead of what some of the headlines say. And again, looking at the market right now, if you're looking for a big crash, I just, you know what, I just don't see it on the horizon. I do see maybe a little bit of adjustment in a few markets, but I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some neighborhoods that you you think should be dropping and they're not going to. And, you know, if you're if you're holding your breath waiting, you know, that's probably not the best thing to do. But when we talk about interest rates, this is where the Bank of Canada comes into play. And we're going to have to wait this one out. We're going to have to see what their next knee-jerk reaction is. And they've got to be very, very careful um, because they don't want to put too much uh, pressure on the real estate market. That's for sure. Anyways, you know what? It's uh, It's been a great, great show um, having you join us. And I appreciate my two guests joining me as well. And uh, most importantly, I do want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. He keeps it simple for me every single week. More importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in. You know what? You are making us the number one real estate talk show. And I greatly appreciate you spending some time, uh, you know, and, and listening to what we have to say here. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.